0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another bald move prestige film. Boy, we got a fun one for you today. It's the 2001 heist film Ocean's Eleven. It's directed by Steven Soderbergh. Uh, It's got to start with sex, lies and videotape. It's made out of sight, Aaron Brockovich, Magic Mike and uh, the Nick. Quite a diverse portfolio there. Uh, it was written by Ted Griffin, who wrote Ma- Ravenous Matchstick Men and was also the showrunner for Terriers, which is like Alan like I think, number one regretted canceled series of all time. Hmm. Uh, it's written a couple of good movies. It stars. Oh, my God. Who doesn't it star George Clooney? ER's George Clooney. He's a Batman. He's in Burn After Reading. Just tons of stuff. Bernie Mac. Um, seen him in Mr. 3000. Charlie's Angels. A Full Throttle. Brad Pitt. Seven, twelve monkeys and glorious bastards recently on bullet train. Elliot Gould, Capricorn One, Contagion. He was Ross and Monica's dad on Friends. Casey Affleck, he's kid's been bin, Ben's kid brother, mm-hmm. won an Oscar for Manchester by the sea. Don Cheadle, Hotel Rwanda, Boogie Nights, Traffic. He's Iron He's he's an Iron Man. He's Iron Man adjacent. Mm-hmm. Carl Reiner, legendary Hollywood funny man. He directed Steve Martin in the jerk. Matt Damon, The Martian, Goodwill Hunting, Talented Mr. Ripley, uh, Andy Garcia, Untouchables, Godfather 3. Finally, Julia Roberts, uh, pretty woman. She won an Oscar with Soderbergh for Aaron Brockovich. I do not know how much affection you have for this movie, Jim, and how many times you've seen it. I've seen this movie. God, I've had to see this movie 20 times. This movie wow. has entered my family lexicon. It's something that my sister and I still quote shit, especially the the James Caan and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Casey Affleck shtick. Sh- like, we're always shit talking each other uh, from quotes from these films. I, I love Ocean's Eleven. And I can't wait to talk about it. What do you think?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, Ocean's Eleven is great. I I remember this and Gone in 60 Seconds kind of as a package deal because um, they came out about a year apart from each other, maybe less. Um, and they kind of defined what I think of as a heist movie because I was an impressionable late teen during that mm-hmm. time. I was 19 when this movie came out and I saw it and I loved it. I thought, OK, this is this is what heist movies should be. And I, I don't know, I, I kind of compare every other heist movie against this. When I'm watching something like Army of the Dead, I'm thinking, how is this going to compare to Ocean's Eleven? Is it going to be <laughs> as complex? Is it going to move as quickly and and be as slick? And how's the dialogue going to be? Is it going to hold up to Ocean's Eleven? And a lot of the times, the case is no, it doesn't. Ocean's Eleven Pretty actually is bar. a better film yeah. than a lot of those those movies. uh hmm so i I really love it. I haven't seen it all that many times. I'd say i this is maybe the fourth or fifth time I've seen it. so uh I don't know. I don't know. It's not one that I think of like, hey, I'm gonna go back to that and watch it again just for fun, but when it's on and when I get to see it, I enjoy it yeah I, I, every once in a while
0: I get a wild hair to watch this, and then that always has me wanting more, which hmm. leads well, me lucky to watching for you. yeah, well, it leads me to watching <laughs> Ocean's a tw- more. Oceans twelve and thirteen, although they're not nearly as satisfying as the original, they all have their moments. I feel hmm. like Oceans twelve and thirteen together is about as magical as Oceans eleven if you cut all the fluff. Uh, uh, I okay. even liked Oceans eight. I, I I like these. They're 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 a lot of fun. Um, and the charm of the older the as the kind of plot falls apart, the characters become so well known that it's kind of funny to watch. You know, uh, Brad Pitt bust, di- uh. Di- Matt Damon's ass about wearing a giant nose, and if the nose plays, oh, the nose plays are. It's but I, I don't know. I just this this movie to me is very close to a perfect film. There okay. is almost zero problems from screenplay. Uh, the dialogue is crisp and crackling. Um, I'm even kind of marvelled at how timeless this film feels. I yeah, if think you don't it's count largely Brad Pitt's
1: hair, sure, but
0: well, I I, I think it's largely because. They costume these guys out of like goodwill, you know. Like these, 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 are, these people are wearing um, kind of retro, kind of predated, kind of like extremely stylized and thrown together clothing. So it's like
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's, and it's you very like, much.
1: The, you, you, then you have Danny Ocean, who's just like classically dressed, classic haircut, classic face. Like right. just, you know, right. he's he is timeless. He's 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 Frank's not it. it. Um, uh-huh. And then it's
0: like everything like all the backers, you know, this is of a piece. This was filmed at a real casino around the year 2000. And, you know, there's a certain look to the vehicles and the people in the background and stuff. It's something between the contrast between that and the foreground actors, how kind of flamboyant and out of various time pieces and cultural movements of the United States. It, it comes across almost like the way The Matrix does, where it's like it'll never look dated because it was using rotary phones in the time of cell phones. Like it's like already what, what area is it from? You know? And I, I, I was expecting it to be a lot, I feel a lot more dated than it is. There wasn't anything even really cringy about it. No, you know? not not particularly like the like movie made in 2000. I'm expecting at least something that makes me go, Ooh, wish you could have had that one back, but no, nah, not really.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe they yeah. get up to some cringe in the, the sequels. This, this might be a hot take. I, I we, Briefly uh, brushed up against this subject before the oh, podcast. We were talking. It's warm. I, I think. I, I think stylistically, it's starting to look a little bit dated. Not because its style is out of fashion. I think its style is like really in fashion, and it kind of defined this very like slick, quick-moving kind of action film uh, back in 2001. But so many movies have gone on to do it so much better and like refine that that feeling that this movie is trying to invoke. Uh, that I think this movie starts to feel a little bit slow. It's It was surprising to me when I sat down and I watched the beginning of this movie, and I, I have a memory in my mind of what is Ocean's Eleven, and most of it is the end of this movie, where it does pick up the pace, where it does start to like do a whole bunch of jump cuts and, and, and three parallel stories and things that are happening in the past, happening in the present, or, or being shown to you in the present. I felt like my memory of this movie was the entire movie is that. And so when I sat down and watched it and the, the first like hour of this movie is not that I was surprised.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to disagree with that because it's obviously your personal opinion, but it's something I do like I maybe it's because I'm so familiar that like I'm giddy in the first hour and I'm just waiting you know, I'm just I'm just Could waiting be. for all this stuff to fill out. And I'm also noticing things I haven't noticed before. And, you know, that's always fun when you get so familiar with the piece of work that things jump out at you uh, even more than on a first watch. But like I'm trying to put myself in the theater and I just I don't know. Like I even when you're right, it's slow and that there's not a lot of action. It's a lot of dialogue and stuff. But the dialogue is just so crackling and it's just full of it is. Yeah. You know, like these guys talking about this fake crime stuff, like when they're talking about, you know, Ella Fitzgerald's and Jim Brown's and (laughs) Blowfield's or whatever (laughs) and Mm -hmm. need the grease man. And like, I, I just think that's so entertaining and like all the recruiting montages and get to knowing all these characters because like no one ever just comes out and says, oh, I'm this guy and this is my whole deal. Mm -hmm. Everything is told at like a remove at an oblique angle uh, as an allusion to the past with names uh that you don't recognize and events that sound cool. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I mm-hmm. wanted to go to Belize anyway. I, I just think that stuff is... You know, it's like, I I, I don't know. I, I think I think the way he tells the story where it's like one of those paintings, you know, or that where you come up to it and it's like this like black and white thing, and then you walk to the side and it's like, oh, this is just a random collection of crap that someone's put a light on and it makes a pattern from the same. That's how mm-hmm. he sketches these people's characters out. And I found that like, so fascinating. And it's just... So watchable that it maybe it is slow because, like, you know, by definition, nothing is really happening. They're just talking about things happening. They're planning for things happening. They're getting people ready for things to
1: happen. Mm -hmm. But I I just find that so satisfying. Yeah, no, it's it's really well written. It's just uh, my memory didn't line up with my experience watching it this time Mm. because it has been a long time since I've seen this movie. It's funny because uh,
0: Steven Soderbergh said he set out to make a movie where literally every every minute of it is entertaining to the audience. Uh, like he wanted something that's just like that kind of like, um, you know, like I, I was talking to Talitha, eating a bag of cotton candy is what I felt like when I was watching this. It's just like I could just every bite, made me want another one. I never felt full. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, it's it's wild to have you have such a, a different experience. Did you find it dull? Or just you were thinking no, that it was, no. like, wall-to-wall action?
1: Yeah, I thought, like, all the split-screen things that happened were happening, like, right at the beginning uh, from mm. the jump, and they were not in this movie. I, yeah. I think, like, the, the assembly of the team takes a little bit longer than I expected, too. Well, there are um, 11 of them, you know. Fair, fair. But, I mean, Gone in 60 Seconds had a lot of people in it, and I feel like that moves a little bit faster in the beginning. Yeah,
0: but, and then maybe it's because I haven't seen that, but if you put a gun to my head, there's, 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 there's Nick Cage, there's Angelina Jolie, there's Bullet <laughs> Tooth Tony, <laughs> okay. and then, uh, um, yeah. uh, but like every one of these 11 guys has got a th- you know, has, has got, got enough that you can kind of hang in, like, I even yeah, know most yeah. of their names, like, I think I pretty you much know, know yeah. all of them, Lynn, yeah, is the, is it Yang or Lin?
1: Uh, I think his last name is Yin. I, I uh, don't. I don't know his first name.
0: So yeah, I, I I like. I think that says a lot that you've got this huge cast and it's on a, a movie that's no, it's not just under two hours. Mm-hmm. And yet I have like opinions
1: on all of the eleven. And which ones? funny yeah, I, I just I, a lot of them I, are big stars too, right? It's not even like oh, they're pulling you know a couple of a couple of people. I I don't know the the tech guy. He's the only one who like I don't immediately point my finger and say hey, that's person's name um right livingston you presume sure sure <laughs> i presume yeah uh
0: no, yeah, so i i mean there's so there's that like i i mean oh man god is, so if, if you asked me like which one is the better heist movie i'd be like well oceans 11 for sure Uh, Because I've recently seen, I've also recently seen Gone in 60 Seconds. We watched it together on one of our live watches. Mm -hmm. And that movie is the kind of dated thing that I was worried that Ocean's Eleven was going to be. Uh, And not in from like an action. It's like, it's still entertaining. But like you look at that movie like fucking damn, that looks 90 as hell. Uh You know? Like really, really with the yellows and the green filters. That's what I and, mean
1: when I when I say like, oh, th- this was a genre def- defining mm, movie for me. It did. It like kicked off what true. I think of as the this genre, this heist genre.
0: And I guess it is kind of like a while. It's it's a bit of a back in a compliment to be like, uh, Steve Soderbergh, you did a film so defining to a genre that has mm-hmm. now seemed cliche and. And, and everyone is aped style to the point that there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing interesting about it anymore. Right. Um, right. I know it's funny because he's got a he does have a distinct visual style. And um, the wild thing is it uh, it's it's recognizably Soderberghian in the Nick. That's something to that me and uh, Shane Bowman talked about when we did like this is ancient to all move history, but we did a wrap up <laughs> of the Nick series. And we're talking about how like. Yeah, that even when you're t- talking late 19th century New York, that the Soderbergh style, that kind of pop and pizzazz and mm-hmm. the edits and the framing and all that stuff like survives intact, even in like a period piece. And in, in a way that like, you know, per, ex- a good example would be like David Lynch doing Elephant Man. That doesn't sure. feel like a David Lynch film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Nick definitely feels like, I well, of course, I don't know if David Lynch would do the elephant man at the cloud he's got today it might not it might feel like oh, a very right, david right. lynch film but sure. uh yeah i don't know i uh I, man what the what what to say about this film that hasn't been said i feel like we don't really need to sell people it's like there's probably some kids in the audience that haven't seen this well you should sit down and see this at your earliest convenience i think you'll have a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh Everybody else is probably this. I imagine it's going to be a massive nostalgia hit for a lot of people because, you know, there were a lot of people in our audience, which is broadly speaking, older millennials and Gen X people uh, who this was kind of like, you know, something to kind of, you know, if you're just watching Happy Gilmore and Adam Sandler shit and you walk into the audience like, oh, I think I think Brad Pitt's cool. And you see Ocean's Eleven like this is a, it's 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 fun and it moves, but it's also a serious film. It's got a style it's uh, got like a really intricate plot. I mean, that's the thing that really yeah. stuck out for me yeah. is how this movie's airtight. Like it pulls a lot of Houdini tricks, but watch it close. It's mm-hmm. everything got to make sense by the end. I, every time I watch, I always in the back of my mind like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to find the thing that like blows this thing wide open. It's like, oh, it's the, you know, the, yeah. but it, nothing. It's really, really fucking tight. Um, and the way they structure the film to where... Obviously, Danny and his 11 know exactly what the fuck is going on, but they're doing it in plain sight of us, the audience. And we still don't really know until like we find out along with Andy Garcia, mm-hmm. like how his money got stolen, who stole his money. And I think that's such a fun trick. every single every single time, like it doesn't feel cheap. Or unearned or like, oh, God damn it. You just kept, you know, you, you did everything behind your DM screen and I'm just now finding out about it now. I, I don't know why other than it's just fun to go along with it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a two stage thing, right? Like we're in on the first stage of the heist. We know how it's going to go. We know what's supposed to happen um, and and what could go wrong. But there's a second stage that they, they tell you about. Like th- there's another problem here that we haven't quite solved Right. How are we going to solve this? And the people in charge seem like they've solved it, but everybody else is like, "This is insurmountable." Uh, and the movie doesn't give you the resolution to that until the end, and so you you simultaneously feel clued in, but also in the dark about like how it's all going to actually play out.
0: And it's also a heist within a heist because a lot of the details yeah. that don't make sense and are for like, especially Linus's have been or Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon's character. Uh-huh. It makes sense at the end when you find out that they're trying to boost Julie Roberts too, along oh, with the hundred sixty million dollars,
1: and, and and test him in the field. I mean, there's a lot going on. Like every, yeah. when I was watching this, I'm I'm thinking, well, this the Danny Ocean part of this just doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. I'm like halfway through the movie going, well, well, he wasn't, it, he he can't do the part that Matt Damon was supposed to do because he he is who he is, so how is this ever going to work out if they didn't have this snafu with him? Turns out, yeah, there, there are explanations yeah. for all that stuff and they're really well done. Yeah.
0: And there's, I, there, I guess there are liberties because you take it for granted that this backroom interrogation is a ventilation duct away from the top of the bank vault, you know, sure. it's like there's a couple of sure. things you just have to kind of like go, you know, the, 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 pinch. Uh, I did a little bit of research Mm. that fucking shit doesn't exist or at least not something you can shove into a a van things like that but and and the other fun thing is like there's a lot of things that are reversals that are genuinely kind of like you know pucker inducing like they are a problem but there's half of the complications in the heist are actually just further levels of the heist yeah you know uh because i remember the first time you see you see uh, carl reiner having a heart attack you're like oh fuck they've been <laughs> they've been foreshadowing this the whole movie he's finally that ulcer's gonna yep. take him and what the hell and then fucking brad pitt shows up in an austin power wig and i'm like oh god
1: damn it they, they're still on the con that that's my favorite part of this movie is the stuff that's going on with saul i think he the way they play that is so masterful and the I, he stays I'll talk in about it a little bit more in the in the <laughs> spoilery sections or later in the thing, but yeah, right. yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe that's another
0: of the ways that the movie blunts the final reveal that they've been essentially fucking with you. Because like this movie is telegraphed several times. Like by the time you get to the big you know, rug pull. You've already had three successive smaller rug pulls pulled on you, and you've seen mm-hmm. one being pulled on Matt Damon as kind of like, uh, you know, like a testing, a ribbing of a, a, mm-hmm. a rite of passage type of. F- so it's you feel like you're part of the crew. I if, if that makes yeah. sense.
1: Yeah, and then all the buffoonery from Affleck and Khan. Oh, uh, so those guys. I, uh, <laughs> my favorite one is the Balloon Boy stuff. I just so love good. when they're arguing on the casino floor. He calls him a Balloon Boy. It's it's so good. We
0: did that. Me and, like, uh, my sister and brother and, and my friend Andy were do a concert. So, like, if anyone ever called someone <laughs> Bud, it was on. Oh, what are you oh, talking I- about, Paul? We talk- and this, uh, I love the, like, needless aggression and escalation. It's like, who are you calling friend? Uh, what was it? Was it an escalate? XXL- uh, was it asshole?
1: Uh, all I
0: can uh, think is, is South Park, but sure. <laughs> who are you calling friend? Douchebag. I for- God damn it. This is like, uh Jackass. Yes, that's the next line. You're calling French Jackass. Just everything about it. So, so good. I want to drop you Mm -hmm. like third period French. Ah, so, so fucking good. Uh, Should we, I guess, talk and get to the spoiler section? Because like, what else can we do? I mean, this movie, uh, how'd the movies look hold up? You already talked about it kind of being a little cliche dated just because of the style. But Well,
1: it it just feels a little less refined than the stuff that's come after. But of course, right? It's, it's. style defining. I
0: was expecting this to really pop in 4k and it kind of doesn't. It's yeah. there's like uh it was, it was shot like intentionally grainy to kind of like think ape, the style of the sixties original. Oh, um, okay. and I think there's just like a hardcore limit. It, it doesn't really like 1080P is fine for this film. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you start seeing film grain if you get any bigger than that. So I was a little disappointed that it was, it, it, it didn't pop as much as I thought it would. Yeah. Um, Okay. The sound. Can we talk about the sound?
1: I remembered so much more music in this. I thought it, it, again, There's my a memory lot. of this movie is is wrong because I remembered every single moment being underpinned with some exciting pop or rock song that that you remember, and a lot of it isn't. It's just in a no. couple of key moments. There's like two or three things that kick
0: action from one gear mm-hmm. to the next, but like I'm talking about just the underneath everything. The kind of he, like swingy rat pack Vegas music that uh, uh-huh. David Holmes, I guess, came up, came up with. It's just the like constant. And the hi hat going. It's just. I think it adds a lot of the fun. And, you know, when things like confounding things happen, they had that like wow, wow, wow kind of effect too. I don't know. I. You're right. You, everyone remembers the big Elvis number. Of course, yeah. Um that's like the 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 thing that really came out of this and they remember the Bellagio fountain scene, but it's just a little, you know, kind of jazzy uh uh Catch Me If You Can type of stuff that is going under like mm-hmm. all the different scenes and just transitions and stuff that I think is a lot of fun. Uh, sure. but uh yeah, we should probably get to the spoiler section. If you haven't seen this film, the setup is uh Danny Ocean, who's played by George Clooney, is recently released from prison. Uh, he went away for a couple of years for getting caught doing some kind of confidence scheme, some kind of thievery. And uh, he recruits a team to knock off three Las Vegas casinos on a Friday on, on a Saturday fight night. Big heavyweight title event is going to be something one hundred and sixty million dollars in that vault. No one's ever done it before. He's going to recruit eleven guys uh, to go in and bust it, and it tur- turns out the motivation is the casino's owner, play, um, played by Andy Garcia, has moved in on Danny's ex-wife, and he's doing this essentially to get even with them. That's that's the plot. Uh, mm-hmm. Complicating things is the fact that uh, Jerry Garcia, or I'm sorry, Andy Garcia, <laughs> totally different Garcias. <laughs> don't want to get those Garcias switched. It's kind Andy of a game Does love ice cream he probably does kind mm-hmm. of a kind of a gangster someone you don't want, like there's like really high stakes you feel like these guys are gonna be dead in the desert they're caught uh, mm-hmm. how how can they do it Or and, and how can they get away uh, it's I one of the pleasures of this movie is like there's three different things in a movie that tells you like or every smart person that you meet in the movie first tells George Clooney this is a fucking impossible thing to greater or lesser levels of like specificity and you know vehemence But they Mm -hmm. all are like, are you fucking kidding? I I love the one where Ruben's like, let's say you do this. Let's say you do that. Let's say you do that. If you, you know, let's say you get all the money and congratulations. You're still in the middle of the fucking desert. Like, where are you going to go? You know, there's only so many ways in and out of town. You're gonna to go to the airport, you're gonna to go to the highway, you're gonna go, you're gonna and the fact that the movie kinda of comes up with a really slick way to, to answer all that. Uh let's talk spoilers. Yeah. We're in the spoiler section now. We'll be
1: right back with more bald move after this brief pause. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. All right, you said something real quick. Uh, yes, that, that really just like tweaks my brain in a strange way. Uh-oh. uh It's it's OCD. It's something. Uh, it, you you said Danny Ocean recruits eleven people. The the titular Ocean's eleven. This Dude. really bothers me because it's not Ocean's eleven. Ocean unless he's counting himself. Or oh, let's say this. Maybe he's counting Andy Garcia as in on this heist because it is ultimately Andy Garcia who provides them their escape. So maybe Andy Garcia is the eleventh? Because there are only eleven people, including Danny Ocean, uh performing this heist. So it can't be Ocean's eleven. It has to be Ocean's ten. How many dudes Andy are bidfold five? Uh six? I don't know. I don't know. That's Four? a good question.
0: No, I that's cause like it, it'd be clear cut if it's Daniel Ocean and his eleven. Then there better be 11 dudes plus Danny Ocean, you know, but like Ocean's 11. It is weird that he's an ocean and he's counting himself amongst it. Yes. But but Ocean's 10 doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well. No, no, and they're they that would have interfered with the uh, I think the the, the 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 woman trilogy that never got off the ground, kind of you know, got in the ground effect and crashed and burned. Because yeah, that I thought Mm-mm. I always thought that was a the plan. They're going to do oceans eight, nine, and then ten, and now running right up to eleven. Yeah, oh, what are you going to huh.
1: do? I don't know. It's just a little weird quirk with me. Um, boy, the casting of this movie is is crazy um how many famous people they got but more so how many famous people were in the running for stuff uh, i don't know if you looked into this but i did. Every, everybody wanted a piece of this movie ewan mcgregor bruce willis mike myers alan arkin johnny depp mark Wahlberg, uh just tons and tons of people apparently wanted in on this probably because steven soderbergh was attached right
0: yeah, and it's like I think that uh, when George Clooney got attached, he was kind of like this big thing, and he was getting you know oh, getting for a crew sure crew together, and then because like a lot of people took pay cuts to be in this film,
1: and Brad Pitt uh, and Julia
0: Roberts, I mean, in particular, like jo- yeah, Julia Roberts was making something like twenty million a movie. This movie's entire budget is like 80. 80 something, yeah, which is kind of incredible. Now that what if you you know, but I guess it is you, you had to pay these these people a lot of money because they're all a bunch of rich famous people, mm-hmm. uh yeah that no what's interesting is like usually when there's these casting things like did you know tom Selleck was almost indiana jones it's like oh oh that's interesting most of the ones i'm like ah oh, that just been worse oh that oh, uh uh-huh. mark mark Wahlberg in in matt damon's role he's too stupid no i don't buy it like <laughs> it's, it's too oh, stupid oh <laughs> my, yeah okay look sure. marky mark hey he's we're about to see him in boogie nights uh-huh. Yeah, strap a 12-inch rubber dong on him. Perfect. I buy, I buy that. <laughs> I buy that Marky Mark. You put glasses on him, have him say science shit?
1: No. Get
0: out of yeah, here. Yeah, get out of here. I've seen that
1: movie. It's bullshit. Uh... <laughs> it is. It is. It's the it, happening. But as far as, like, looks go, I feel Marky Mark and Matt Damon are almost interchangeable. Like, the 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 perfect casting here of Matt Damon I don't think has changed if you put Mark Wahlberg in the role because you he... He is meant to be the guy who you see, you interact with, and you completely forget after you've interacted with him. Like m um, two minutes later you're like, Who is who is that guy? Can you pull him out of a lineup? Nope. Yeah, well, okay. Matt that- Damon has such a generic white guy face. Yeah. He's
0: got the generic white guy face for sure. He is a completely forgettable. Unfortunately, when he opens uh-huh. his mouth, he reveals that he's got the chip from the Affleck-Con brothers installed into him. So like, that would never work. Like, yeah, if if he could do a con silently through mimery, I might believe it. But the second he opens his <laughs> pocket card or yard pat, and it's uh, it's all over. It's all over. Yeah. You remember the accent? Uh, he would have been. A, he would have been uh, maybe a better foil to Scott Con as the uh, you know Virgil and Turk because like the one mm-hmm. thing about the, the they're so good they have such great chemistry and I honestly kind of like their parts in the other movies like. In Oceans 13 they they lead like our labor revolution riot at a dice factory in Mexico as what? I think part of the scam but also like I don't think that's how they were supposed to do it yeah like by the end of the movie they're they're like full on unrest and strike conditions and doing all this stuff throwing Molotov cocktails at national police it's incredible oh, fuck boy I haven't um, seen I've only seen 11 and 12 so uh, 13's like 12 was, I think, a big disappointment, but 13 mm-hmm. is a bit of a return to form. <laughs> Might be why I stopped uh, watching him after 12. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yes. The one thing that bugs me is I feel like Scott Kahn would just beat the shit out of Casey Affleck like that's where all these well, fights would resolve they would just he would just paste his yeah. brother and that'd be where like Marky Mark. like I see that that like there's no that those uh-huh. that seems like a, a movable
1: object and an irresistible force like there's mm-hmm. yeah do you, you feel me like it's just well I think the thing that keeps it from coming to blows is that Khan knows he could beat the shit out of his brother and yeah. so he doesn't have to prove it like he's just he knows uh, whereas with Mark Wahlberg might be like, I don't know if I could take this guy. I better fucking prove it. Hmm. And they would just be punching do. each other all movie. I do. Do you think that uh, I
0: got the clear impression that they're both idiots, but Casey Affleck's the smart one?
1: I mean, he. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I could. He's got the RC cars. See. Right. But, yeah, that's what it is. is in the monster truck. And I he's
0: in the nerdier shit. And, and he always seems like has the uh, upper hand when they're just being themselves. Like uh, my one of my favorite lines is they're playing 20 questions. It's like is it uh, living? Yes. Uh, is it a man? Yes. Evil can evil. Shit. Like I just <laughs> I love that. Yeah. He's like, got I feel his like. Number, right. I, I don't know if it's like just the, the brothers and they've known each other for that long. They know where it's going, or it's just like Casey Affleck uh, is like mind fucking him with some kind of superior intelligence. But I've always, I always thought the Casey was a smart one.
1: Yeah, I, he isn't. More, he isn't too more inherently or more stereotypically nerdy shit for sure with the RC cars. But I don't know why we don't consider petrol heads to be nerds because they fucking are like if you're tuning your cars if you're working oh, on your yeah, cars sure. as a mechanic like that's a nerdy shit it's just in a different yes. arena that we consider more macho so yes. we don't call them nerds but amen
0: come on you're nerds yeah yeah you're playing with your erector sets we get it buddy
1: uh uh-huh. you're a tough guy uh, and i'm not I, i'm not saying that to denigrate you although th- 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 those you might think people it tend as such. to take it yeah that way but I, I'm the saying to that beat me up up little bit more
0: hurled nerd as a as a as an of a like, yeah, I could see how you could get, uh, <laughs> get of uh yeah, I just man, these these guys are kind of like secretly my favorite part of the movie, and I would hate mm-hmm. being with these guys. And I love how they kind of like depict what a, a nightmare it would be, like Matt Damon's genuine cry of anguish when he's like, "No, don't leave me!" At these guys as they slam the door <laughs> shut, uh-huh. I I love so much. But oh my god, and that I, I I like James Con like sidling up to uh, Reuben and trying to sell this. This Jewish guy, this Jewish mobster that like you know hangs out in Vegas, like try to try to sell him on Provo. Try hey, you should check out Utah. Oh, There's right. a lot of action bumping in Utah like this. Jesus, <laughs> and, and and Ellie Gould just like I'll check it out. You know, it's mm-hmm. like God. It's so funny.
1: <laughs> uh, boy, uh, you want to talk about some of the other characters like Don Cheadle I as Basher, um, doing a British accent here, a very. Thick, a uh, Cockney rhyming slang kind of thing. I I don't know if it holds up all the way. It's close. You know, I
0: saw a lot but- of people talking on the Internet as if it's like common. It's it's like a decided thing that this is a bad Cockney accent. Which, it, yeah, even to my ears, borderline. Because I see I'm a guy. I'm just the ugliest of Americans. I'm so like just bad, just malformed and not good looking. But I can't really tell the difference between Turkish in Snatch and Don Cheadle. Like, you could swap these okay. guys places and, like, I guess I just don't have an ear for that accent or, like... Mm-hmm. But but I also think that it's not super important that Basher has an authentic Coxney <laughs> okay, accent. this could be a put-on? This is just... No, well, not... To, well, that's actually... A canon thing in one, I think the second movie they like they no. have him like practicing accents and he's like, I've been working on my flawless American accent. And he starts talking about like <laughs> Don Cheadle.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So I think they're like, it's kind of like, haha, yeah, I did a bet. I'm doing a bad accent. But like, I, I guess I'm like, I don't know, because like this was the first time I ever heard of like Coxney rhyming slang. I'm mm. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure um and i just thought i just thought it was super fascinating and like i then went on to discover guy Ritchie, like probably the next yeah. year and like i for a, i probably was fucking insufferable uh you know thinking <laughs> that like british gutter slang was like the height of cool
1: but mm-hmm. it kind of is like i don't know it's maybe it's a shitty accent but i i like it no i'm with you i i enjoy it especially the the rhyming part like trying to figure out exactly what they mean um that that barney stuff that was a uh, so great one yeah I, this,
0: this 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 was a group of americans and, and one chinese man like just their blank looks on their faces when he's like and we'll be in barney barney rubble trouble it's good right? it's good stuff plus they also it's, it's another i just love this fake crime speak like when rusty goes to bust him out of the crime scene and he's like let me guess g4 mainliner back one with a quick fuse Twenty foot pull. It's like it's mm-hmm. it's great. It's great. It's like it's stupid. Like how Rusty gives him something, and two seconds later, he's MacGyvered an explosion. That's stupid. It doesn't make sense, but it's also really fucking cool in this universe. Sure. You know, and it's played as a joke. I, yeah, he's great. uh Do you know what's not great about him? Mm. The shit makeup he wears when he comes out of the tunnel. Oh yeah, it's bad. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of this green screen is in this movie hasn't aged. You know, you forget that like 20 years ago we were like really babies in doing all this stuff. But like that bank vault doesn't exist in real life. It's just Matt Damon and uh, George Clooney hanging about three feet off the ground in a green box, and it kind of you, you you can okay. kind of tell. Yeah, you can kind of see the seams in some of this stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's fine though. It's not. It's not like a big you know, action extravaganza. It's more than five. Cause I, like at 46, I'm starting to realize like when my dad would talk about how like mind blowing Jason and Argonauts were when these like janky ass skeletons came off the ground or herky jerky starts more like it's obvious stop motion. Mm-hmm. He's like, how fun!" And I'm like, Jesus Christ, were you, it must be the fucking lead in the gasoline. Cause you all were stupid. <laughs> if you thought this was realistic. And now I'm in real time. Like I'm watching Lord of the Rings. I'm like, this cave troll is fake as fuck, man. Uh, but George Clooney ain't hanging at the bank but I was Like you can start to see, cause like we just are so much more sophisticated. Our televisions are so much more 4K. Yeah, uh, there's that's much more K than they, when we were kids. <laughs> but it is funny that now I my my son clowns on me for like thinking some special effects are cool, like original Star Wars. Whoo! Oh yeah. That know, you, baby. If, have you seen the non-specialized versions of those? Uh, uh special
1: editions version of those, they're pretty rough. Pretty rough. Yeah. I, I have seen those. I still remember what they look like. But yeah, they're not, not amazing, but in 1977, it was the height of technology. Uh what do you think about some of the other cameos? Because we didn't we didn't talk about them. Uh there's a scene where Brad Pitt, when we we're first introduced to him, is teaching celebrities in LA how to play poker. And my God. He's he's either the worst teacher ever, or these are the worst students ever. Uh, Josh Joshua Jackson is in there. Topher Grace is in there, uh, playing themselves. I guess all five of these were like Teen Beat stars of some renown. I guess I vaguely 90s. remember. Was it Shane West? Is that his name? I,
0: I yeah, vaguely I was, remember him,
1: but the other two I didn't know. I was uh, in my mid twenties,
0: bought my first house. I was living. I was not. I was not keeping up with uh, uh, Tiger Tiger Beat Teen Beat whatever. Yeah wasn't cold deck teenagers uh like rust was it was I a lot of fun, fun cameos though. Came- yeah. topher grace especially mm-hmm. you know he just plays like <laughs> i don't know man uh what's what was his name eric on it's just like mm-hmm. that character is so kind of clueless and brain dead and and ad- and then seeing him play this kind of like brash swagger guy but not really like new money hollywood is it's uh-huh. just really funny yeah
1: i trying to definitely a pretender
0: yeah, it's like one of my, the, when he's trying to talk uh, Brad Pitt into a corp, making an LLC so he can start paying him checks and save taxes, and he's just sitting there like dead expression until he's like, or we keep paying cash. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. I, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know that Steven
1: Soderbergh was in this movie, speaking of cameos? I heard he, y- yeah. Yeah, I heard he's like one of the guys at Basher's arrest. Yeah, he's one of the other explosive bank robbers. Can we talk about Basher's arrest for a second? Because this is the one place in the movie that I'm a little confused. Uh, Boy, there are a lot of places you could get confused in this movie. Uh uh Though it does kind of hold your hand through the end of it. Uh, This is the one. So Brad Pitt says there might be an availability problem getting Basher. And then we cut immediately from that. And and, and Brad Pitt is like in a hotel in in Las Vegas or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to Basher who is trying to pull off a bank heist he's blowing open a vault it goes wrong he gets arrested the, like the cops show up they put him in cuffs they push him up against a car and then Brad Pitt shows up as a fake FBI agent or whatever um, and and pulls him out of there saves him from getting mm-hmm. arrested mm-hmm. the availability problem that Brad Pitt is describing is that because he's being arrested,
0: I don't think so because you're right. That causes a major continuity problem, right?
1: Right. So what is the availability problem? Like he's just performing he's too on, many a yeah, he's like, on a job. Yeah, he's like, you want me actively. to do
0: this big job in two weeks because that's it's a, it's a tight turnaround. Like these guys know oh, okay. about and execute a job within two weeks. It's like I just robbed a bank. I got a million dollars in my account. I'm not really looking to piss off some. Vegas mafioso guy. Yeah, I think it's that. And he showed up. So he, and he shows up at the crime scene like they do, because that's mm-hmm. how they kind of recruit. They're like show up where you're, you're currently working or scamming or semi-retired and they recruit you from there. So I think he was going to probably, you know, get him at the get, you know, like if Taylor's getaway car or whatever, but
1: get okay. him at the crime scene. Gotcha.
0: That makes more it sense. is.
1: I was a little confused by that.
0: Let me ask you something the a, a scene that's always confused me which I think it's just to give Bernie Mac something to do. And I also found something yep. in my research that like answered a question yep. that that but like there's a scene where Bernie Mac is he's he's going to buy a couple of vans. I don't know how many, somewhere between 3 and 5 vans. And this guy is selling brand new vans for $15,000. Seems like a hell of a deal to me, Jim. We should go, we should go and get yeah. uh we should go get a few. And um Bernie Mac intimidates this guy. Squeeze's got this whole thing about camphor and lotions and moisture and all that kind of stuff to intimidate this guy into giving him a two or three thousand dollar discount per vehicle. Mm-hmm. If you want to avoid getting killed by Tony Bennett, no, mm-hmm. not <laughs> sure. Tony Bennett, no, Tony Bennett, yep, Tony Bennett, if you want to avoid being killed by Tony Bennett. <laughs> Because he's a ruthless motherfucker, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you want to avoid being killed by Andy Garcia, you don't want anyone. You don't want any of this to come back to you. Mm -hmm. But now in the Las Vegas County, you've got a a car salesman who's going to be like, oh, yeah, this one dude who I probably have on camera fucking sweated me in a very mafia type way. Why would you do something so flagrant to save what? The, yeah. What do you think Ruben bankrolled this project for? Five, $10 million?
1: <laughs> no, it, it's an absurd scene. Uh, there's no, no reason to be haggling Tom over the price shit. of vans. Why? Why would you and, make and, and, yourself memorable? Especially when they intercut this with them spending all of the excess. I, maybe they just couldn't afford the suit for Saul, and they needed him to get a discount so they could afford that, because it's intercut with them going, to the finest tailor in Las right. Vegas Probably creating dropping five a suit grand probably an outfit Yeah ten thousand dollars And and then they're haggling a thousand dollars Over the price of Vans It's it's ridiculous So the only thing
0: I can figure out is that this Is seemingly an intending An intended homage to casino So okay. This denim character is played by Joe Ledoux Ledoux is the actor who gets his hand smashed For counting cards <laughs> in a casino In the movie Casino Hmm. And it's All the right. same hand that Bernie. So it's like, is it worth the callback to casino? Because. And, and I guess it also gives Bernie Mac. A, like Everyone gets their little signature moment and he kind of has like a bunch of peripheral scenes. This is kind of his starring moment, but it's like, gosh, maybe think a little bit harder
1: to well, get him engaged. Him, yeah. Yeah. Give him something else with this guy to do where his hand is yeah. crushed. Like, it doesn't have to be the vans and i'm not saying i have a problem with him rolling tough on the dude
0: it's just like why Mm -hmm. would he do it over such small stakes you know
1: maybe the van you could even have it oh the vans are already sold right like the vans have been sold to somebody else yeah Uh, at least that would make sense that he's intimidating him into selling them in the first place but
0: right and there's no other car place where you can go and get box vans for you know (laughs) Whatever. Right, or or go to like is, the junkyard and say, "Hey, you got these vans that are designated to be crushed or whatever." Yeah, hire a couple of p- punks to steal a couple vans for you, so they're completely. But I don't know. Uh, Something I don't know. It just it's weird. Um, I thought they did a really good job of portraying the most efficiently almost per- efficient character to portray is Bennett or is it Benedict? Did I write down <laughs> Bennett early on and just got this guy confused? Who? It's Benedict Harry Benedict. Okay not tony bennett (laughs) jesus aaron keep it together um they do everything with like four or five lines of dialogue the way andy garcia walks and the way he dresses andy garcia walks through this casino like he's mad at the pavement like he Mm -hmm. is like every step is just (laughs) pounding that fucker into submission um, I saw another person describe him as like a shark that just can't stop. He just never stops moving. Mm-hmm. Like n- the only time he stops moving is when he's having dinner with uh, Tess. Yeah. Um, and he also like, man, I love that scene where he shines Danny on. Like he shows up and Danny's having dinner with his girl. And he just sits down. Smoothly takes his place. Takes like Julia Roberts' hands. Never leaves her eye eye contact. And mm-hmm. just so dismissive. So <laughs> like at the at the end, George Clooney's like, "Okay, uh, good scene to Tess, Terry." And then the, the way he goes, Danny hits him with
1: that back is so fucking good. Uh, well, I mean, th- they're both trying it, right? They're both doing their power play. Like, hey, uh, she's actually with me, or she was with me, because he's fiddling with his ring. On his hand the, the whole entire time, time. spinning yeah. that wedding ring, yeah, yeah, yeah which is d- intended to stick it to him, but like he's doing the same with with holding her hand, yeah, it's it's good. I feel like Benedict won. He 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 won
0: the man off temporarily, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Then he got caught, you mm-hmm. know he got his whole bank account cucked and this woman stole and all that kind of stuff. That that's it's hard to maintain the frame, hard to maintain <laughs> a masculine frame when you're getting pants so hard. But no, in that scene, I <laughs> sure. thought I thought he out. He outmanned yeah, yeah. the George Clooney, which is pretty impressive. Totally. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now, back with
1: more bald move. Uh, you know, you know what sequence I really love? Maybe what? my favorite sequence in the whole movie is the is when Elliot Gould is talking about the three times that casinos have. The closest anyone's ever come to robbing a casino the three times, yeah, and every time it ends with the person being apprehended or and or killed and uh-huh. money going flying in the air. Yeah, the I the first one I don't
0: remember much, but the sec the second one where that cop just
1: oh the takes line. that
0: like like hits him with a nightstick in the face and it looks like a. Sack of bricks landing on the guy just completely. Mm-hmm. And the way that guy, the way the cop is posed with the, or yeah. I guess the security guards posed with it afterwards. And then I love, I never noticed this before, but the guy that runs out in like the Miami Vice get up and to Belinda mm-hmm. Carlisle's take my breath away, he looks exactly like Lin-Manuel
1: Miranda. It, it, my wife asked if that was him. Yeah. It's, like a uh, jokingly well, I mean, yeah, from tw-
0: but, yeah, in a 20 year yeah. time machine, but he looks exactly like Lin Manuel looks today. In, in an ice cream suit and no, no socks loafers getting gunned yeah. down. Oh, it's so good. It is. Uh, the other thing is, I always thought Ruben was this crazy, you know, like the, like this, this big Jewy guy, you know, he's like kind of loosely connected mm-hmm. and he's like this kind of like uh, pastiche of these Jewish gangsters and all that stuff. And then I saw Casino and he's 100% just Robert De Niro from Casino. Like the giant glasses, okay. the crazy the movie, yeah. robes, the silk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. When he's like well ensconced. Imagine like a Robert De Niro 20, years, 30 years after that era. And you've got Ruben and it's kind of glorious because that to me, I just I actually think he is uh, Robert De Niro's character grown up. Like it makes so much okay. sense. He's he's actually, yeah. you know, like he's actually murdered people. He's had people at the bottom of Lake Mead washing up (laughs) in barrels nowadays it's yeah
1: uh the the other like big conceit i guess of this movie is and and this becomes very important later in the movie is that they have this replica vault i I really love that they have constructed in this warehouse a replica vault where they can practice going going through making sure that their their grease man can make the jump and stick it um Right. They don't have a ceiling on this thing. And I, that always worried me because he can jump as high as he wants in the practice vault. Might not be true in the actual vault. True. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was it was a really good idea to have that in there. And then, of course, it becomes integral to the plot, like crucial in the final resolution. And they kind of lampshade it because, like, at the point where they're,
0: where they're talking about we have to build an exact replica of the vault for practice, something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you forget, you forget how many things that the movie tells you plain faced that then, you know, because you just have your own assumptions. It's a it's a misdirect, you know, you're assuming. Yes. Even though they said, well, we're not going to use it that way. You're assuming, oh, well, that's the way they're using it.
1: Um, uh-huh. Like Saul, I, the, the, that's the most brilliant part of this movie is Saul because um, he the whole movie, he's like method acting. He he's, yes, he's method acting within a movie that requires him to to act uh in a certain way and and it gets on people's nerves right like he won't yeah. drop this fucking Zurga accent <laughs> and and or or attitude and brad pitt can, uh, has to like shout at him yeah. and get him to break it but the entire time he's in character and it's it, that becomes very important later that is like a, a a clue as to how you as an audience member are going to get misdirected later in the movie and I think it's a clue is where he because I, I didn't get it until I just watched it this
0: time Uh-huh. that the part where he goes, Daniel, if you ask me that one more time, you won't wake up in the morning is him saying that because like yeah. he is like flop sweating and having indigestion and all this stuff. as But he's getting in character yep. as a person who's about yep. to die. And Daniel <laughs> in misinterpreting that's fucking with him. So he's yeah. like, don't like it's it's there's so many. God, that's another brilliant thing. Like, I love how every one of these characters almost has a way to, like, tell someone else. They, like, don't tell me my business. Like mm-hmm. Livingston, when he's sitting there in the FBI thing and the FBI guy starts, like, screwing at the camera controls. He's like, would you not fucking touch that? And, like, what's wrong, Radio Shack? He's like, do you see me grabbing your gun and just waving <laughs> it all around carelessly and negligent? It's, like, it's just really funny shit. But, like, Carl... Um, you know, Saul checking Danny in that way with the, like, if you ever say, ask me that question again, Daniel.
1: Um, and it speaks to the trust of all these people too. Right. And that's one of the other things that comes into play later is they don't quite trust Matt Damon because he's untested. Right. This is a group of guys who have been working together for years and implicitly trust each other. And every time somebody is like, you okay, Saul, or like ask them about their business. They're like, shut up we trust each other we've got this everybody here is yes. is tight is, is gonna do what they need to do yeah. except for Matt Damon and then they over the course of this movie they test him out too i think it's Well the thing is is
0: it's there's even a more brilliant part of the script that like where George Clooney meets Matt Damon, it's on the personal recommendation of someone that Matt da- or that George Clooney respects. It's his dad. Yeah, it's Matt
1: Damon's and dad. And you
0: can tell that, like, I don't think, like, if, if Matt Damon kept his ass or his ass shut, if kept his mouth shut and didn't say, that's my dad, I don't think he gets shit tested. But as soon, like, you can see D- Danny's whole face changes when he goes, well, you should, he's my dad, because they know that when there's an emotional connection, it compromises your yeah. professional judgment, which is yeah. a whole part of this fucking film. So it's like, it's a tale within a tale because the thing that they're using to justify hazing Matt Damon is also the thing that rusty busts, you know, Daniel for lying yeah. about the test thing. And I, the thing is, is like, there's a couple of things I think are little subjective. Like, I don't know when the concern over Daniel moonlighting with the test job Stops becoming real and starts becoming
1: part of the kayfabe. I don't think it was ever real. I, I think really? Brad Pitt and 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 George Clooney, impl- Rusty and Daniel, implicitly trust each other and know so that they, they are professional. That when they settled the hash, hash at the first of the get.
0: movie, it never came up again. It was just a test, yeah. Linus. Okay, I think so. I
1: that think makes so. sense.
0: That makes sense because you're right. Ever because like you know. um you, you, yeah everybody else you have to like you know these people are professionals you know they they know this that you don't have to tell them like uh and mm-hmm. no one ever gets kind of you know little broad like that except for matt Damon like even Livingston's like hey you're gonna do great but don't fuck up you know
1: and what like a breach of trust too right if you sent this new guy of the group to go tail the guy who put the job on in the first place uh yeah, yeah that's a huge breach of trust. Yeah. I, I just don't think brad pitt's character would do that to danny i want to bait something from you oh boy you you hate
0: julia roberts right
1: <laughs> is that how you're gonna bait me into saying that i don't yeah. really like julia roberts yeah boy. yeah you hate your
0: that's your <laughs> if she's your do you or control. do you not hate julia roberts put me under a when spotlight. did you stop hating julia roberts jim never uh <laughs> Never. I, yeah, okay, that's right. You can't really trap a person. The it's same it's way not that I hate Julia you. Roberts.
1: I, I want to say that, like, whatever. Her, she's she's Julia Roberts. I know her reputation, but like, I just never saw it. I just never saw it. She's just not my cup of tea. I was
0: going to say you were a little bit younger, so you missed like the first. Well, you missed almost in her entire
1: career. Like, why she's? Yeah, I couldn't like see well as, when I was five yeah. years old. Of course. Yeah. Um, Here, here's the thing, and this is this is probably the hottest of takes. I think. Julia Roberts is a slightly slightly below average Sandra Bullock. oh, that I think is if Sandra Bullock is the take, bar, man. Julia Roberts is like is like the bunny Hill below
0: it yeah well okay so i'm I've never been like a huge Julia Roberts fan, but like I've seen a lot of her movies, and you know she's pretty cute. I have fond memories of her flirting with David Letterman back in the day. um I think she's great in this film. Like, I think she is everything Uh like, you know, um, she's got enough star power that the camera can like watch her in slow motion descend the spiral staircase for 30 seconds and kind of pull it off. Like, that's a hard check on your charisma and your star star power. And I think she and the way she in particular, I think everyone has a sparkle in their eye in this movie. But Julia Roberts in particular plays every line as if she's about to cut, like about to break. You know, like she's about to giggle or something because George Clooney's doing something <laughs> weird under the table or what. Uh, I, I, I sure, really like sure. that. And some of the best dialogue is between her and Danny when, like, she gives Danny a face full of shit for showing up. He's like, well, you know, they say they've paid all my debts for society. And she's like, funny. I never got a check. That's fucking amazing. And she goes and she goes and he's like something about you're my wife was ex-wife or didn't you get the papers? He goes, well, I got him on my last day before release. He said I told you I'd write that's fucking bam, 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 bam. That's a verbal shootout. Uh, And she, she kind of blows Clooney away. I, yeah, I, I, I've seen a decent amount of her stuff and I think this is the thing I like her the most in. Well, this
1: is like, I would say this is the height for Julia Roberts. This is it. I mean, you know, pretty woman. A lot of people would argue is like the height of Julia Roberts, but this is like the last. last. That was the beginning of Julia Roberts. Come on. Yeah. Some people would say it's the height too. It's like, her most famous movie, right? I mean, she did or win Aaron an Oscar Brockovich. years later for Aaron yeah. Brockovich, yeah.
0: Which is but, wild because I don't think movie. that's I, close to her best stuff.
1: I haven't seen it. And that's the thing about Julia Roberts. I haven't seen hardly any of her movies. I've seen Conspiracy Theory, I've seen her as Tinkerbell and Hook, I've seen her in this, and that's about it. Um we well, can do Ocean's what I did 12, a couple obviously. years back, which is sit down and be like, man,
0: I'm being unfair to Gwyneth, and just watch like five or six of her movies, and then you walk away and really hate her sure sure I can do that <laughs> I was I was like a knee jerk not liking it but now it's just like oh ugh. um yeah because yeah, I, I, this I, is kind
1: of the last thing she
0: did that was like super high
1: notoriety I
0: think it is kind of yeah it yeah yeah I it's wild how kind of quickly she fell off. Yeah, um, I mean, she had a, a long run. I mean, and well also she just maybe she so. she's got like three hundred million dollars and she just sits on her throne in Hollywood or something like why yeah, would why she not? need to
1: work? You know, I mean, she has made a lot of movies. She's been in a bunch of stuff up to right. Up she to do today. like producing and directing or something like that. I wonder if she like because it is um, like weird
0: how fast she receded from public life, I thought.
1: Yeah, she's done a little bit of production, Uh, about 10 movies since Ocean's Eleven seems like around that ten, time
0: if i made 10 movies in the last 20 years i would say that was quite a lot of production
1: well she's been in probably 30 movies since then so oh really so yeah, she's, she's still acting and just i haven't seen anything oh man uh uh-huh.
0: huh huh oh, i'll see what she's up to lately so you so a lot of this movie kind of relies on you having to accept that julie roberts is uh, a charming person who would be worthy of doing this crazy thing for does that not does that
1: work for you like no it works for me okay uh, I just like if sandra bullock were playing this i'd be more into it <laughs> that's uh, all i'm saying i see i see
0: um here's another question i've got mm-hmm. does daniel ocean at the end of this movie when tony bennett gets on this vegas show and finds him in the back room <laughs> with tiny does he look like a man who's been methodically beaten by a large powerful no. man for twenty minutes? He looks that, like a man who's been
1: punched twice. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's always bothered me. Mm-hmm. That like you can't beat up George Clooney a little bit more than that. You can't black his eye. You can't have a trickle of blood out of his mouth. You can't, God forbid, knock a tooth out. He just has to have the most cosmetic of of of, of abrasions on one cheek. Uh huh. Like, come on. Again, are you trying? Are you trying to fool Tony Bennett or not? Right. He's got to track you down. Like you told me all movie what a threat he is. And you're just, you, you don't want, you don't, you don't even want to risk it in your face busted up for this. Come on, man. No, that
1: kind of brings up the ending too. Because uh, the end of this movie, like everything goes off as uh, planned and they get away with the money. And then George Clooney goes to jail for six mm-hmm. months or whatever for violating his parole uh, by traveling out of state. Mm-hmm. But, After that, we see him released and Brad pick and Julia Roberts pick him up, but they're being tailed by Tony Bennett's guys. Uh, I assume that will last basically forever until Andy Garcia slash Tony Bennett is is satisfied that he is not part of the plan to rob Mm. his casino. How does he ever spend this money? With with Tony Bennett constantly up his ass. These answers are contained within
0: Oceans twelve and thirteen, Jim. Oh God. I, <laughs> I never to remember you. You twelve to consult. at all. You have to consult the lore. Uh I okay. mean that's that's, that's the, the, the plot of twelve is essentially uh Benedict blackmailing the eleven into doing this ultra job, I think, or is that thirteen? That but but yeah, no the idea. plot point that he finds out and hunts down and, and uh fucks with all these guys is is a is a plot point moving forward. And he eventually joins the crew. Okay. Um Tony but yeah, joins I, joins the crew. I think he's the twelve yeah, when he yeah, he's the ba- he's he takes in he takes. So he Ruben was position. always part of Ocean's Eleven.
1: So the name checks out. He
0: just Wait. didn't know he was part oh, of Ocean's Eleven. Oh you're right. you but then that fucks up twelve and thirteen. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe maybe Julia Roberts is the twelfth, because she gets she gets made a part of the con. Oh to Uh huh. Which, oh, that's the cringiest fucking thing in the whole movie when they try to pass off the character Tess looking like Julia Roberts to oh. shut down the Louvre so they could. That's so fucking that even Julia Roberts couldn't pass that celeb check. Like, you are no that's you can't get.
1: Come on, movie. You can't get away with it. Wait, was that the Shania Twain thing? There, there's a movie that tries to pass Julia Roberts off as Shania Twain, right? Am oh, I crazy? Is-
0: oh did they do that because I I maybe they did that I thought that they did the joke where she looks so much like Julia Roberts they're going to pass her off as Julia Roberts if they you, did Shania right. Twain that's
1: but there's I another movie that does a Shania Twain thing I, I can't remember what it is but you're yeah. right they they do the Julia Roberts is Julia Roberts in real life thing well I don't know anyone I think can that's be Shania kind of Twain you just have to feel like a woman enough to him I mean it's Sandra state Bullock could be state Shania
0: of, Twain. it's a state of femininity once you achieve it you too become mm-hmm.
1: Shania Twain Damn. Uh. <laughs> uh, there's there's another thing that bothers me in this movie. Okay. Uh, Terry Benedict is he is is he some kind of religious fanatic? Because there is a scene where they are like him and Julia Roberts like pondering an art installation or something. Yeah, he's um, art. And, and she goes to kiss him, and he says, "Uh, uh, uh, uh." In my hotel, there's always someone watching, as if they are star-crossed lovers, uh, teenage lovers who are forbidden from kissing.
0: I I'm I don't glad understand this ask, scene at because all. this is one of the points I wanted to bring up. I I I think the point is he doesn't want anyone that works for him to see him in a human moment, but like. Why a a, a kiss good morning to you, the person that you're sleeping with in your suite? I don't know. I feel like it was a little too Captain (laughs) Picardy.
1: Captain (laughs) Picardy, yeah, it's (laughs) a little, (laughs) yeah.
0: That's just Captain Morgan, right? Captain uh-huh. Picardy and Captain Morgan are best buds. Uh <laughs> I, I feel like that's a little too Captain Picard stiff up like, oh, I can't like it. I could get like you don't want to see you fucking in a staircase because that might get on the TMZ or whatever. But like what is it? Like, you know, Terry Benedict yeah. kisses his hot girl serious long term girlfriend. Uh, right. TMZ exclusively has the grainy hallway footage of him kissing
1: his long-term girl. Like, no, nope, that fucking shit doesn't it, make. It, it, but then he's got no problem with people at dinner watching him fondle her fingers across the table, right? Like, that's right. more intimate that's, than a peck that on the cheek cool? that she I would was think going so. for. Yeah, those like,
0: finger fondling is,
1: is pretty pretty yeah. fucking yeah. Yeah, uh, it doesn't it doesn't make sense at all. I, I hate that scene actually. Uh, everything else in the movie is great. This scene makes no sense. It is a little clunky. I, I, let me ask you this. And, and it seems they're only to set up, well, in your casino, every, someone's watching always at the very end, the turnaround on him. But, like, uh-huh. yeah. it's not worth it. it.
0: A, you're right. Exclusive it, it is a little. Let me I, 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 Since we're kind of going in on the movie, um, let me mm. ask you this this question. Is Tess Ocean canonically stupid? Make the she's case. married I'm to Danny to Ocean for years and never knew he was a thief or a con man mm-hmm. until he got busted. And she's been the long term living girlfriend of Tony Bennett without realizing <laughs> that he is a gangster to the point of killing people and ruining people like that's the mm-hmm. whole thing, right? What the fuck? Is she just really a bad judge of character?
1: Yeah, it would take a certain level of uh, obliviousness to not realize he cares more about his money than you.
0: Yeah. Well, or even like, is that a smoking gun? Like if I had, if some dude just stole $300 million from my casino Uh and I'm negotiating in bad faith with this guy, because of course I am. I just had him stuck in a room beating the shit out of him. And I take him out of there and I'm like, I'm going to run you out of town, pal. And Mm -hmm. like a, a CCTV comes and this guy says, hey, I'm going to help you get the $300 million back. The thing is, you just got to leave Cecily. If I say, okay, fine. Tell me what, you know, what what, is that proof that I'm going to the, the money's more important? Or is that just like, I'm going to say anything to this asshole to get, to get whatever out of him. Like, it just seems wild that you would like, that's the thing that runs you off. (laughs) The fact that this guy Uh. would entertain a hypothetical from a lying criminal, In like a high stakes situation and it's like, oh, I I never knew you thought the money was more. But I don't know. I I, thought she's either, as you said, incredibly stupid or or she doesn't care about the gangster shit. It's just the personal relationship she has with Terry, which also is not a great
1: flattering look for her either. It's not because that relationship is not nearly as personal for him as it is for her. Yeah. Like, why, why is she with this guy? She Just to enjoy his money? Because I don't see the connection at all. I don't, I don't see the love connection.
0: Well, they had this, I, and I thought there's a great line where Danny tried to get at that. He's like, does he make you laugh? She goes, well, so he doesn't make me cry. Like, I think he is just a yeah, reliable guy.
1: If he says,
0: billion other guys out there. If he says, I'm going to be home at such and such a time, he probably is. He probably doesn't lie. He, well, I don't know. He probably lies through all the fucking time. But like, from from her perspective, like where you imagine trying to, you know, like go on vacation with Danny, it's probably some kind of like uh, some some oblique nightmare, right? Uh, I mean, it's like your existence is ice. cough yeah. gas, gaslighting, and like oh, I was mm-hmm. out with this and I was I, yeah, but whereas like I imagine Terry seems a lot more stable, like he's the that, sure. that's the thing. It's like she tried to pick a guy that's opposite of Danny, and she just found a more yeah, dangerous yeah. version of Danny. And she's too apparently stupid to know that without having men in her life pointed out to her
1: um yeah it feels a little out of place for a woman uh who who's as physically mature as Julie Roberts appears to be in this movie right like true I, I, yeah. that's something I expect of a naive twenty year old It's not yeah. something I expect of a thirty five forty year old woman, yeah. Um although there are, I've got, I, I'm sure plenty of them out there.
0: I have not but bullet points of my favorite parts I want to talk about. All right. Do you have any substantive points or should we get to the part where we just gush about the movie?
1: Uh no, let's let's gush. I'm ready. These these are't the, are even
0: fully scenes. These are just moments of the film that I treasure. First off is Bernie Mac suffering from bronchitis. <laughs> Everything Why? about that man's performance where he's sitting in a chair with the hanky and the long face and like, you know, and then and then the smash cut to him in the taxi cab, going on the LA strip with the mirrored glasses, big smile. Fucking what a legend. So good. Do you have oh, any yeah. do you do you want to trade off or should I just run? Uh run with it. I'll jump in if I've got one. The line where um Danny and Rusty are talking and they're trying to find a basher. And they said his one guy died. And Danny says, Did you send flowers? And Brad Pitt responded, Date his wife for a while. And then Danny kind of goes, Huh. like that's the more, even the more thought like, Hell yeah, I sent her flowers and we dated. I sent her flowers so well. It's, I, I think that, okay. I don't know. It's just the implication there is really fucking funny. Sure. I, I love the three seconds in this movie where Cirque du Soleil clown becomes the star. <laughs> Like, there's a part where they're establishing yin uh-huh. and they just cut to this clown and he looks right at the camera and he's like the camera's pacing him and then he just walks he's his whole purpose is to bring the camera from where it's pointing to the gotcha. the, the Chinese acrobatics
1: but like it's it's always jarring it's like it's the clown show for uh, for three seconds. Um, I love uh, Don Cheadle sitting on the couch watching the hotel be demolished on television while it's literally (sighs) happening behind him outside his window. Oh, God, it's such
0: a great (laughs) especially. And then it's 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 uh, it's bookended with the scene where Linus is spying on Danny and they're the only two guys that don't turn to watch the explosion Uh because Danny's eyes are locked on Tess and Linus's eyes are locked on Danny and it's just such a visual, great moment—the sea of people, and, and they all turn, and it's just Matt and George looking and looking at us. So great, so great. Um, I love the part. They really nail what it's like to have like this lifelong working relationship, and like the shorthand you develop. Like I feel like there's probably five topics we could bring up involving the running of bald move where I would know and you probably know the first five or six things that you would say in response to it like if I brought up like oh what if we decided to do you know I don't know this that or the other you, I, I would know like the first four or five things you'd say I mm-hmm. love that scene where they're trying to decide if they need one more person and it's 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 a dialogue but it's a monologue and sure. rusty Brad Pitt does not shift position, does not blink, does not do anything. He's slumped over his bar and Danny's like, you think we need more? Are we ready? You think we need one more? We need one more. Yeah. Okay. I'll get (laughs) one more. I just, I fucking love that. It's so good. It's like, because they've probably had that. They probably had that fight
1: five times in the last 48 hours, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is he eating in that scene? Because the one thing I can't not see is brad pitt is eating in almost every scene he's in we have to point that out because everyone would mail us to
0: let us know that we missed it but but Uh yeah it was i think it's a brad pitt thing in general because there's a super cut of brad pitt eating in all of his movies but Mm -hmm. i think it started right about here and i saw an interview with brad pitt where he's like it came of real life that i'm so busy that i'm frequently just like eating and transition things so like oh, this wow. movie I want to portray is like, I am the guy who gets everything done. So if I have a moment where I'm standing and I'm talking to somebody,
1: I'm shoving things in my mouth. That would that would be the wrong time to eat. I yeah, I would think you would eat when you're like busy reading or or something like that. Right. Like you think rusty your reads? mouth is the one thing you need when you're talking to somebody. <laughs>
0: No, he probably yeah. doesn't read. You're right. No, but it's like I got. I, I guess he he picked it up from like you know. Uh, I guess his experience as being a producer or whatever. And it's like he's just always like kind of standing and eating and walking huh. and eating and doing all this stuff. So I don't know. Uh, but it is funny because like that is one of the few scenes. I think that and the scene at the end where he's at the Bellagio fountain are the only times in the whole mm-hmm. fucking movie he's not stuffing things in his mouth. And he's the first to leave the Bellagio. So oh, of he course. had to go get a burger. Right. It His blood sugar me. was crashing, man. He'd, <laughs> he'd been thirty seconds not eating. <laughs> <laughs> I also love there's this brilliant subversion where Linus, he's the new guy and he's the young guy and he's reticent and everybody's like, All right, thanks for coming to cocktails, not coming in for the business present, you know, for the Amway presentation. And Linus is sitting out there and he's not sure and he's not going in and Ruben sidles up and is like, Oh, this is gonna be the old pro giving the young guy a pep talk and be like, Oh, when I was your age, I didn't fucking know Ruben's like, Hey, how are mm-hmm. you doing? You like invade? Oh, wonderful. Get in the fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> just, just yeah. like, stop being a pussy and getting the guy caught. You yeah. Know, just get in the goddamn house. I love it. I
1: love it. Yeah. I, that's a big moment, right? Like that. What a, it, it, cause then you're in, you're in like, you're, this is the moment you're either in or you're out. And you have to make that choice, and you don't know what the plan is. You don't know what the stakes are. You just know it's big. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't once really you, like that moment once, of choice. Once,
0: once you, once you get in that room, yeah. Like, what happens if someone like did they just kill you? Because that's the thing. They it's like might. this crew, and, and Soderbergh even wrote that he was trying to tell like a crime film that had very low violence. Sure. Um. Yeah. Do you do you, what? I think that's you, the threat. Yeah. Huh, because like the thing is, he, like, if... I, these guys always seem like matchstick men, like they don't do gunplay. They try to talk. They uh-huh. essentially they don't really even steal. They just <laughs> abuse your confidence so that you give them things, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, broadly speaking, did they even really steal from Tony or did they just call fake cops there to take his I don't know? Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's probably right.
1: stealing. Sure, sure. Uh, One Uh, of my other favorite moments in this movie is when uh Don Cheadle is about to set off the pinch and he's kind of staring at the the van. He's about to hit the button and he thinks about it for a second and then he slides his hand down over his bits as if that's going to protect him somehow from the effects of this (laughs) massive electromagnetic wave. But it is really funny. It It is. is And I guess
0: that was improvised. Uh, all the right. other thing that I got from reading behind the scenes stuff is just how much of this shit was improvised. Like Rusty eating all the time was improvised. Um, uh, 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 uh Danny saying Ted Nugent called he wants a shirt back improvised. Um, <laughs> nice. there was I, I know, love how I, Brad Pitt's like uh,
1: I spent all the money on the suit.
0: <laughs> yeah, after that, <laughs> it's so it's really funny. And it's, I, it's, it's like it's uh, like we need to find Rusty a girl. Well, there are women's prisons just down the road. Just oh, mm-hmm. it's so funny um but oh, yeah it oh, seems like there's along- a, a very loose set like these people did you see that they that like all the principals were staying at these like penthouse suites and uh. they were like on location for like six months like it seemed like a fucking junket and where everyone is having fun which seemed mm-hmm. part of the magic sauce because everyone looks just like they're having the best time top yeah. to bottom in this film
1: Sure, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, along with the the pinch idea, do you know if the power has ever gone out during a boxing match? And like, what happens if not. that if that does happen? Do they keep fighting? Is it like, or do they just ring the bell immediately and it's and just like stop the proceedings? I. You, I I have no idea because like it doesn't seem like
0: there's a fair resolution because you could always make the argument it's like oh I had you know this but this was at the very beginning
1: of the fight before the first punch had even been yeah, thrown, yeah. right so it's it's not as crucial but like man if in the tenth round or something the lights go out oh I know yeah saved by
0: the blackout and I do like mm-hmm. how both boxers played was it Spink who who was this it was
1: uh, it was Klitschko and Lewis Leroy I, Jenkins. Uh, no, it's mentioned somewhere in the, the Wikipedia article. It's real life boxers, though, that I don't think it I've is, ever yeah. boxed
0: in real life. But like, I like how oh. the, as soon as the lights came on, it was just like as soon as they found each other, they were gonna go. Like, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw the first punch. Um, did you have you ever gone through and tried to figure out the different cons that they're talking about when they're talking like Boski, oh, Jim yeah. Brown, all No, yeah. I found an article that made a pretty compelling case about what each one meant. So you say a Boski is the Lyman Zerga. It's a reference mm-hmm. to Ivan Boski, a big time trader on Wall Street who got caught committing serious securities fraud. The con here is about a wealthy high roller who has inside from infor- insider information. Okay. That seems it's like that makes a lot of similar, sense. Similar. Yeah. Miss Davy Miss Daisy um, is. Dry uh, right. Come on yeah getaway getaway vehicle yeah. and maybe a reference mm-hmm. to a, a one that drives itself oh. um all right you know because you got because you do have that the at the, the end of driving itself mm-hmm. to jethro's that's the one that's always easy to figure out these are just these are the brothers
1: all right just just <laughs> sure. uh
0: it's reference to jethro the uh the the, the beverly hill famous iconic beverly hillbillies uh, character but, but like, i thought deeply they were... ignorant,
1: redneck. I thought they would be the drivers. I thought they'd be the Miss Daisies too. Because isn't isn't con mm. the driver? Uh
0: you are correct. You are correct. But I but, but so that's the thing is like I always thought this ref, um this this represented people, it's representing cons. Okay. Because they're trying like to find someone that team. can do an Ella Fitzgerald, not someone who is an Ella Fitzgerald. So uh-huh. two but yeah, the two Jethro's are these guys. Right. Maybe maybe the con is just too loud. uh, The the ignorant people making a distraction, an argument.
1: Okay, okay. So they can fulfill
0: both roles
1: in that scam. Yeah. Uh,
0: Leon Spinks is a distraction in form of a disruptive boxing match, as a reference to Leon Spinks uh, upsetting Muhammad Ali. Hmm. Um, Ella Fitzgerald. I think you would call it a Tyson. But what do I know? (laughs) <laughs> or a guy just this just uh-huh. threw a match by chewing an ear off.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh
0: and then you have Ella Fitzgerald, which is a reference to a Memorex ad with Ella Fitzgerald singing into a microphone and that recording being so high fidelity that that is capable of breaking glass. And the and then the the um uh the tagline for that commercial was is it live or is it Memorex? That's representing the the tape of the bank vault being substituted Uh, for the real thing
1: yeah yeah
0: okay and the final one that i don't think makes sense or at least is not as elegant as the others is jim brown who is uh uh the hall of fame running back um he's known for like his you know brutal punishing style of play but he's also very socially conscious he was part of like you know he's really outspoken activist they say that represents um Frank Catton, the Bernie Mac character, but the only thing I can think of is like hmm. him making it like b- blowing it up into a big racial deal. Is like okay. kind of, but was that so like like? But I, I don't know that that it's this is the one that seems like it's pretty on the fucking nose. We need an imposing black man mm-hmm. to activate several characters' white guilt. Let's call it a Jim Brown. Right. I don't know. That's the one that's it's like, huh? That seems like a reach, but uh. Good scene though, there you go, and a grease monkey. Grease monkey obviously is a slippery dude, the, Gre- the that, grease uh, man, yeah.
1: The grease man, not grease monkey, grease man, yeah. James grease Conn man. or James Conn Scott Conn would have been the grease monkey, but the grease man is Yen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that a joke about his hair, Jim? No, it was a joke about his <laughs> proclivity for cars, but speak speaking of uh, the the Lynn
0: character, um. The shit that he does in this movie is incredible. I don't know how he gets out of that cylinder. Like he's folded in half. His ass is flat on the ground. And just with wiggling his wrist and kind of like uh, wiggling his body, he pops out of there like a daisy. That's more incredible than the backflip he lands. Oh, yeah. Standing oh yeah. Black, standing backflip to sitting on a shelf it's 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 crazy it's
1: it's crazy the shit this guy does and and uh, it's not special effects he's just doing it yeah i love how they're betting on whether he'll undershoot it the first time they bet it's ten dollars and everybody takes that bet for 20 uh-huh. he nails it and the second time he's like i bet no you 10 bet. cents he'll over. he'll undershoot and the guy's like no bet
0: no bet you don't want to bet on something that high stakes man. no mm-hmm. fucking he way knows. he's got this uh, what else do we have to talk about? I feel like I'm I'm uh, all oceaned. I'm ocean zero now.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm done. Uh, great movie, great movie. great movie.
0: This is uh this is one that we're doing uh, pre recording in advance just for like a rainy day in case one of us gets sick or uh, otherwise have an obligation. So like I don't I can't tell you what we're doing next because this is <laughs> going to be a time capsule episode. We recorded it uh in December of 2022, so that might be a fun. Uh, uh see, so you were supposed to say we recorded it in like. 2012 <laughs> <laughs> for the 15th anniversary or whatever uh-huh. Uh yeah no, it's just too slow but yeah that's I don't know when I don't know when we will uh, we'll open this to serve it up fresh but uh, it should be pretty evergreen content I don't think anything's going to change in the world we're going to have a radically different take on no. Oceans 11 thanks for listening though we appreciate it we'll be back for another prestige film before you know it until then I'm your host Aaron and I'm Jim see ya